two, and it is my task to give the charge to uh, the candidate, or to Brother Jason. And uh, I've been trying to do this now for 33 years, and I'll try one more time tonight. Uh, what a blessing it is. And I do say, Brother Jason, uh, I, I, you know, I don't reiterate this enough. I know all of these guys on this staff are young outside of myself. And it's easy to say Jason or Case or Aaron or something like that. But I want to show you, you, you need to show these men the respect of the ministry. And these are God-called men. And our ladies are the same way. I, I'm not asking you to call Christy Sister Christy or Sister Rosie, but... You know, that wouldn't hurt anything either, let me tell you. If I'm going to err, I'd rather err on the side of reverence than I would of, uh, of uh, liberality. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Colossians 2, verse 1, Paul speaking. He said, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit." joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Let me read that again. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after that the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Father, thank you today for your love and mercy. Thank you for this special occasion. And I pray, Lord, for Jason and for Ashley. I pray, God, that you'll touch their lives, that you'll make them a blessing not only to their own family, but that there'll be a shining light for the kingdom of God here on this earth. Bless them and bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. The stereotyping of people, we're quick to form impressions of them. And then as we form those impressions, it's hard to overcome that. I thought for many years, I've told you this before, I think, I told somebody, uh, I, I used to think when I'd watch Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea singing, I thought, couldn't they find somebody that could carry a tune better than him? I mean, I just thought he's one of the roughest singers I'd ever seen in my life. And uh, Becky and I were having supper one night in Dallas, and George Beverly Shea came over and sat down by us. And I got to know him. And he was one of the sweetest, dearest men I've ever met in my entire life. And from that moment on, every time I heard him sing, How Great Thou Art, I thought, man, what a God-called man. You know, just shoots our stereotype all to pieces. The truth is that Paul was often 
stereotyped. And uh, people, you either loved him or you hated him. Is one of the two. Uh, but uh, he pulls back the curtain of his heart here in Colossians. And he, he gives us the passion for ministry. And it's what every minister ought to have in his heart. Uh, I'm not telling you it's what the world will tell you because the world won't tell you this. The world will tell you that, uh, well, I'll get on to that later. But the first thing in ministry that he, and I don't have time, I've just got a few minutes, so I'm just going to take just a few moments. Ministry is a calling. While we're here serving, we're in leadership. Paul is saying that. I'm in leadership. It's a calling. I'm a servant leader. Uh, that's why it's important as leaders that we don't ask people to do what we're not willing to do ourselves. Uh, Brother Clark, our man of wisdom here. Uh, is, where's he at? He, there he is. Sent out a famous thing this morning. I tell you, I, I, uh, I think about <clears throat> Adrian Rogers and Dr. R.G. Lee every time I think of Brother Clark. Uh, Adrian Rogers was at the bedside of R.G. Lee. And Adrian, he, of course, he was much younger then. He said, Dr. Lee, if, if I could just take your brain and put it inside my body. And Dr. Lee, on his deathbed, barely whispering, said, Adrian, that would be like taking a grand piano and putting it in a spinet. <laughs> and I, I, I think here, as Paul is speaking to us here, we, we are in leadership, but at the same time, we've got to servant lead. Uh, if you're not going to have others going with you, there's no need. You're just walking yourself. The second thing to ministry is it's a calling to make Christ known through the Word. Paul mentions that here. It's also to make fully aware to people the mature in Christ. If you're where you were when you got saved, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Ministry is a calling to expend yourself for the gospel's sake. You're pouring out yourself. And then what I want to just major on here tonight briefly. Ministry is a calling to be a burden bearer. It's to be a burden bearer. Now, the word burden can be seen in a bad sense or it can be seen in a good sense. A burden is something that's heavy, something that's weighty. It's, it's something that takes effort and it, it's strenuous to carry. Uh, but it doesn't have to be something bad. Uh, my little... Two-year-old grandson will run up to me. Let me tell you, it's a burden right now for me to pick him up. But that's all right. It's a good burden. It's a good burden to pick him up. I remember uh, the story of the little girl carrying the smaller boy who was almost as big as she was on her back. And a man stopped her and said, listen, isn't he heavy? She said, no, he's not heavy. He's my brother. See, there's some things that we can carry burdens for without question. And ministry is a high calling and it involves carrying a heavy burden. It involves a struggle. When you become a minister, I'm preaching to you, Jason, there's a big target on your back because the devil would rather destroy ministers and the homes of ministers than anyone else in this church or in this world. 
He said, Paul said here in verse 1, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And that word struggle is a Greek word, agon. It talks about athletes struggling and competing to try to win the contest. It's a constant struggle. <coughs> Excuse me. There's no room for complacency. There's no room for letting up. See, in the, in the, in the, in the body, a car, if you're in a car, you can throw the thing in neutral and coast a little bit. I did that on the way over here. I noticed that my gas had three miles left on it. So I goosed it and got going fast and put it in neutral to let it coast a little bit. Uh, you can do that. But see, the church is not an automobile. It's a living organism. And when you put a living organism in neutral, it doesn't happen. You either are going forward or you're going backward. One of those two. So without question, ministry is a high calling and it's a lot of struggle. Paul goes back in 2 Corinthians in a more modern translation. This is what he said. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more laborers, in more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, from robbers, from countrymen, dangers from Gentiles in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such eternal things, there's a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? There is a daily concern, a daily burden for people. When you develop a minister's heart, you're going to hurt. And I have people tell me, when we first went into the ministry, I had a dear pastor friend tell me, Look, you can't ever make this personal. And I thought, who ties your shoes every morning? What do you mean you can't make it personal? People are personal. When one of you hurt, when Ms. Mona gave that prayer request, I want to tell you, this church hurts with you. I got a prayer request this afternoon from Chris up in Kansas City. He's got a high fever and not doing well. Man, we, we hurt together. Who's, listen, it's going to be personal. It's going to be a big burden for you to carry. I, uh, I'm not telling you to lie to your wife, but I'm telling you, you may not ought to tell your wife everything that you know because you want to protect her and you want to encourage her. Paul had a heart for truth. A heart for people to know the truth. And he struggled for them. He struggled over them. And it's the same thing in youth ministry. You've got young people here this, this afternoon, tonight. And praise God for you young people. You're the good. You're the great. But I'm telling you, sitting here among you, you will have decisions in your life that will cause a youth minister to eat three or four Pepsids every night. Because they love you. And they want to encourage you. And it is personal. It's personal. A desire, a minister 
needs to have a desire for other believers that they would become completely satisfied in Christ. Paul said, I want you to be completely satisfied in Christ. I tell you, that's always been the heart of mine as I came to pastor this church. That on the day that God takes me home, whenever it is, that this church would roll on like nothing happened. You would be completely satisfied. You would be mature in the Lord. You would be able to pick up. it. Not, I listen to me. Not the business end. Not the business end of the church. But walking by faith. And the spiritual end of this church. Paul wrote there's a lot at stake. There's false teachings. My soul. I've never seen a time when there's more false teachings than there is right now today. And I'm going to tell you, much of it's geared for young people. Television's geared for young people. You think all these sexual commercials are on there for us old people? That we, it, it ain't for us. There's a couple of them that laugh and say it is, but they're lying. It's geared for you guys. And you've got to become mature enough to understand that the devil is out to destroy your life. And this minister here will do anything he can to try to make that not happen. The second danger, apart from being led astray, is the division that false teaching brings. You think about these teachings, and if you're not careful, a church can be divided just almost instantly. Almost just like that because of false teachers. I've spent my whole life, and you'll spend yours, Jason and Case, Aaron, Christy, fighting false teachers. And I want to tell you, I wish it would be teachers that you knew when they walked in the door. I can look at him and tell I don't want nothing to do with him. There's some of them like that. But most of the false teachers that are around today, they're hugging people and they're shaking hands and they're wearing suits and ties. But the devil has them here to try to create disunity in the church. Disunity with youth ministry. Disunity in the choir. And I want to tell you, it's our job as ministers to flesh that out. And make sure that does not happen. Uh, whenever you lose focus on truth. And you lose focus on Christ. Then you're going to be discouraged. And division is going to set in. Unity depends on two major things, and that's truth, and that's love. And most false teachers have just enough truth to be true. You say, well, they're doing this. They're doing that. I, when I was your age, your mother can verify it, because I always verify that, because everybody thinks preachers just lie making up these stories anyway. But I used to go to the, uh, the uh, charismatic uh, convention in Fort Worth every year and uh, had a, people in my church paid for it said you just go relax have a good time and it was some good time but I'm going to tell you some flakes up there too and I always said this I always said uh, I'll chew up what I hear some of it I'll spit out some of it I'll keep until one old preacher Royce Pennington Ask me one day, how many false doctrines does a guy have to teach to be a false teacher? I whoa, I guess just one. 
And he said, then I've said enough. I've never gone back. I'm telling you, when you know one of these jaybirds on television are false teachers, don't sit there and waste your time listening to them. Say, yeah, but they're encouraging. Yeah, they'll encourage you today. And next Sunday, they'll lead you astray. They're after youth more than anyone else. And then the loyalty to Christ. Because I want to tell you, we should give nothing less than our full measure of devotion to the Lord. I mean, after what Jesus has done for us, and this is not just for Jason, it's also for, for uh, Ashley also, and, and for every one of us in this room. We don't need to shortcut what God has done. He's been good to us. And we need to uh, discipline ourselves, and that's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to do physically. It's hard to do emotionally. It's hard to do spiritually. But God expects us as leaders to do that. We should desire and struggle and agonize in prayer, passionately desiring others to grow in Christ also. Let me just tell you, your calling also should be to have young people and senior adults. He's a unique ministry. When you're a minister of youth and senior adults, brother, you've just about said it all. I mean, that's from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, all the way. There's not a whole lot of difference in the attitude of them, except the senior adults are so sweet. And that's where the money is. Learn that. You kids need to learn that. Amen? No, we're talking a full-fledged ministry here, and you're going to have to stay on your toes. And Ashley, you're going to have to keep him on his toes. Is he going to like that? No. No, I don't like it when my wife gets on my toes. But you know, the truth is, when you get alone and realize they're right, you thank God that he gave you someone that loves you enough to stand up to you and say, you need to be doing this. This is not right. So as you get ready to proceed into ministry, and I know, I'll be honest with you, I, I uh, am thankful for both, both of my sons and their families. And uh, I never, I hear people all the time, preachers' kids saying that they won't darken the door of a church, they hate ministry, they hate churches. Uh, my kids, as far as I know, have never been that dramatic uh, because we've always been blessed to be in good churches. I've only pastored two churches, and uh, the one I thought I left was the best one I'd ever been in until I got here. And this is a great church. This is a great church to be on staff at, your love and your support and your care. But I, I said, look, and I tell other young people this, if you can do anything besides being in the ministry, then go do it. Go do it. Because this is not, you're not going to get rich. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to come home. I, I remember as the counselor told Becky and I 40 years ago, he said, sometimes in the ministry you're going to come home and your wife's going to come home and you're going to lay down in bed and all the strength you're going to have is to be able to hold her hand and say, I love you. 
You're going to be spent. You're going to be worn out. You're going to be emptied out. But God always blesses. And God will continue to bless. And I encourage you, Jason, stay true to the Lord. As Paul said, uh, as Christ Jesus has saved you, so walk ye in him. Don't venture to the left. My biggest concern for all of our young staff members, I've threatened Case. Uh, you know, I think probably he's going to become pastor of this church one of these days. And I've threatened him. You bring in that newfangled theology and I'm going to come up out of the grave and haunt you. <laughs> you. You paint the back of this auditorium black and I'm going to rain fire down from heaven. There's some things in life that you learn after you're older. I want to tell you, the modern thing now, you go to these churches and everything painted black. Well, black is a special color in the Bible, all right. It represents the devil. I mean, that's evil. You put all the black you want to in there. You paint the ceiling black, put him out. I don't care. But, but we're not going to have... I'm just saying all this newfangled stuff, if you're not careful, you're going to chase that rather than the truth. And why would you want to chase after fables when you've got the truth? I encourage you to stick with the truth. Father, thank you again for Jason. Thank you for Ashley, for Isabel and Charlie. Thank you for what you've seen them through. No one here in this building even knows half of what they've been through together. But you've always been faithful. And I pray, Lord, tonight, in my last dying breath, that God, he would remain faithful and she would remain faithful to the things of God. And this would just be a start of what you're going to do to use him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let me just enter one other thing. Uh, we're not ordaining Jason to be a youth minister. We're ordaining him to be a minister of the gospel. What I'm saying by that, I was ordained to be a music director. And some people say, well, you can't preach. You're a music director. No, I surrendered to Jesus. If Jesus wants to wake up in the morning and say, you're going to be a missionary, I'm going to be a missionary. Brother Clark, I forgot to tell the story a while ago. I just remembered that. He sent out a thing this week, this morning, that says sometimes before... God can give you a scepter. He has to give you a broom. God bless. You came to the world you created trading your crown for a cross you willingly died your innocent life paid the cost counting your status as nothing the king of all kings came to serve washing our feet covering us with your love if more of you means less of me 
take everything Yes, all of you is all I need Take everything You are my life and my treasure The one that I can't live without Here at your feet my desires and dreams I lay down Oh, here at your feet my desires and dreams I lay down If more of you means less of me All of you is all I need Take everything If more of you means less of me Take everything Yes, all of you is all I need Take everything Oh, Lord Change me like only you can my heart in your hands. Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. This world is dying to know who you are. You show us the way to your heart. Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. More like Jesus. More like Jesus, Lord. If more of you means less of me, take everything. Yes, all of you. All I need, take everything. If more of you means less of me, take everything. Yes, all of you is all I need, take Praise the Lord for that gift. I'm a little jealous, but you know. Well, we're here and we are celebrating ministry. Ministry is a blast. I was thinking this week of some things I've heard that pastors hear. Some have been in this church. I won't tell you which ones and some have not. There was a pastor. He was sitting in the foyer after a service and a lady was coming through and she shook the hand of the pastor and she said, Pastor, I'm sure there is some good content to your message. I'm sure you study a lot, but I'm going to be honest with you. Your voice is so annoying, I cannot stand to listen to you. 
That'll bless you, won't it? There's another guy was about to preach, and a woman came down right before the guy was going to preach, and she said, Pastor, we are hanging the toilet paper in the women's restroom the wrong way. The toilet paper should hang from the front right before you get up and preach. There's a guy that was singing. He sang his best special ever, and he was walking down the steps as the pastor was walking up, and he said, top that, pastor. Uh, a guy went to a pastor. This is all true stuff, I promise you. A guy went to a pastor and said, Pastor, I want to tell you I've got a problem. Your wife never compliments my wife on her dress or her hair. I expect you to address that when you get home. Uh, and then the one that, that we always hear, it, it's the, the foundational one. So do you have a real job or is this all that you do? You hear that in ministry, don't you? You got a real job or is this all that you do? Boy, ministry's fun. You either learn to develop thick skin or you get out. Um, but ministry is the highest privilege, and I'm convinced it is the highest calling. There's nothing that could be more honorable because we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. We are truly making an eternal difference, even though there are times it does not feel like it. There's a high calling, and there's also a high responsibility. It's interesting, when you get to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul lists these metaphors describing a church leaders. Seven metaphors, and this is what they are. He mentions a, a teacher, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, a workman, a vessel, and a slave. You know what those have in common? They're all a picture of sacrifice, of labor, of service, and of hardship. They're not glamorous. We're in a world where we want the pastor to come in and be glamorous, have this mega church, and the pastor walks in and he's ready to sign some autographs on his way out. That's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is that it is a, a lifetime of service. The Bible says that godly leaders will be doubly blessed and poor leaders will be doubly judged. That's why James says that not many should desire to be teachers because the teachers will be judged more strictly. We come and we ordain Brother Jason and he's got his certificate and on that certificate all the deacons have signed. And they have signed on behalf of the church. And so Woodland Hills Baptist Church is stating that we see the call of God on Brother Jason's life. We see the call of God on his life and we will stand by him. We will pray for him. We will encourage him and we will support him as he goes throughout his ministry. You see, I'm convinced of this. Without the support of the church, no ministry will be successful. Without the support of the church, no ministry will be successful. You can take a gifted individual. You can take a man who can teach with passion. You can take a man who can preach with power. You can take a man that has great leadership skills. But if the church will not support him, his ministry will fail. But you can also take a man who is mediocre man who is a mediocre teacher, a mediocre preacher, a mediocre leader. But if the church will gather around that man and will support that man and will lift that man up and will pray for that man and will encourage that man, his ministry will make an eternal impact for the kingdom of God. And so my challenge is not 
to Jason and Ashley, my challenge is to our church that we would follow our leaders, that we would follow Brother Jason the way that the Bible lays out before us. So if you have your Bible, open to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I promise you, we will move quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you recall, Paul goes into Thessalonica and he is driven out very quickly. And so he writes this letter to encourage the church on how they are to to go about being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get to chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, it specifically tells us how we are to submit to the leaders that God has placed above us. And so we're going to look at those just real quickly together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let's read verses 12 and 13. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Real simple, real quick. Here's what he says. The first thing that we are to do as a church, look at it in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. To respect. It is extremely important that we as a church come together and we respect the work of Brother Jason. You say, why is that the first on the list? Why does that matter? Why is it so important? You see, if we do not respect this man's ministry, when he gets up to preach, it will be nothing but worthless words. If we don't respect his ministry, when he gets up to teach, it will only be useless knowledge. If we don't respect the man's vision, then we're not going to follow it. If we don't respect the man's dreams and his ambitions, then we will not support him. If we don't respect the man that's leading our young people, then we will look at him and we will see him only as an event coordinator and not a pastor. And he's being ordained tonight as a pastor for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so right off the bat, it is important that we come together and that we respect Brother Jason, in his ministry. If there is no respect, then the ministry will fail regardless of gifts and talents. So we must come together and respect. Then notice this. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Respect those who labor among you. I believe, now now listen, Jason is to work. Ministry is not a place to cop out and be lazy because the work is far too important. The word labor here, it means to work hard. It means to toil. It means to grow weary. It means to be fatigued. But the key word is the word among you. Respect the one who labors among you. Respect the one who works alongside of you. If we're not careful, we'll get the mentality that that's Brother Jason's job. We hired him, we're paying him, that is his job. It doesn't say the one who works, it says the one who works alongside of you. It means that we come in and we volunteer and we support his ministry. I was reading a couple weeks back, and it really struck me. There was a study that was done, and it found this. It found that the larger a church grows the less the people volunteer. 
The larger a church grows, the more we pay people. And so we pay a youth pastor or a children's minister or nursery workers or all these different areas. We begin to pay these out. And then we begin to see this as their job. And then we just kick back and let them do the work. That's not biblical. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say hire someone, pay them, and let them do the job. It says respect the one who labors among you. It means that we're a part of his ministry. We respect him and we come alongside. We join hands with him. We give of our time. We give of our energy. And we become invested in the ministry that he is presiding over. Respect those who labor among you. And then look. And are over you in the Lord. Or over you in the Lord. It, it begins to speak of authority. Now, it's not the authority of a dictator. It's speaking of the authority that there is a leading, there is a protecting, there is a caring. But it is pointing out that this is one of the leaders of the church. This is one who is leading. Can I just remind you? There cannot be a hundred captains of the same ship. There just can't be. There cannot be a hundred backseat drivers. Don't you hate that? Man, I hate it when I'm driving and somebody's trying to tell me what to do. I've got this. Let me handle it. Listen, have you ever walked away maybe from here and you said, boy, that's not the way I would have done it. You ever done that? That's okay. It's not your call. You see, at the end of the day, there are more than one way to skin a cat, and we're going to trust our leaders to come up with a way that we're going to skin the cat, and we're going to follow that leadership. That's why he says they are, they've got this authority over you. And so as we come and ordain Brother Jason, we say, I realize that you have this position of authority. You've got this place of authority as a pastor as a leader of the local New Testament church. Now let's keep going. Among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love. The word admonish, it means that there is a warning, there is advice, there is a, a reprimand. You know what it means? It means that you trust Brother Jason. It means that if he comes and he says, this is not right in your life, now this will apply in this context to students in a great deal. It means when Brother Jason comes up and he says, hey, this is not right, you need to change ways, it means that you respect that. You listen to it. You realize that he's speaking out of love and he's speaking out of the authority that comes from the Lord. And so you, you let that come into your life and influence what you do. It doesn't mean that it goes in one ear and out the other. How often do we do that, right? We hear something and it comes in and it goes out. It means that you realize there's authority from the Lord behind it. And so you let the words come into your life and begin to change you. And the last thing, and I believe the most important, and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Esteem them very highly in love. You know what love does? Love covers a multitude of sins. Can I just tell you from being in, in ministry, there's a lot of things that I've done wrong. There's a whole lot of things whew, that I've done wrong. But I am thankful because I, I really feel like this church loves me. And that when I do something wrong, you don't hold that over me, but you still follow me and we still get on down the road with it. Love covers a multitude of sins. 
The, the word for love, here's the word agape. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Where does it say love is patient, love is kind? We should be patient with Brother Jason. We should be kind. Not envy. All, all these things that we know that we're to do, that should show in the way that we follow his leadership, the way that we support him, the way that we encourage him. And then you'll notice it ended this verse and it said, and be at peace among yourselves. That's a big one, isn't it? Let the minister focus on what he should focus on and not worry about all the bickering that's going on. Can I tell you, when we come together in a staff meeting and there's, there's some bickering going on in the church, that drives the whole meeting. We don't get to focus on ministry because we're worried about the disunity in the church. And so you want to support the ministries? You want to support the ministers? Let, let's be at peace together. And, and I, I'll tell you, it's wonderful because we look at these. I know real quickly we look at these. I'm thankful that my family's here because you do these things. I, I know you love us. I, I know you care for us. I know you, you respect the position. I, I know you follow our leadership. And now as we ordain Brother Jason and his wife as part of that and his, his two children, we're to lift them up in that same, same capacity. It goes on and he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good for one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. We ordain Brother Jason tonight, but it's a big call for the church also. That we come alongside of him and we make sure that his ministry is a success. I want to close with just a, a personal piece of advice that I learned a long time ago, Jason. Something that I, I make sure and put in my life every time I get up in front of people now. I may share this with some of you. I remember when I was at a church before this, preacher was preaching, and it came time for the invitation. And so get up, and I'm standing at the invitation like this, and the young people are all right in front of me. And so, you know, it's a solemn time, and so we're standing looking dignified. All of a sudden, this girl in the front, she goes, well, it's the invitation. I don't want to talk right now, okay? And so I just keep standing here swaying a little bit. And she keeps going, pssst, pssst. And so finally, it's just so much, I just, I have to say, what is it, sweetie? And she says, your fly's undone. <laughs> and so, you know, there's some things that stick with you in ministry. And so now, even before I got to preach just now, okay, I checked the fly. You know, you check the fly just to make sure. And so... Big piece of advice, when you get up in front of people, because it, it ruins your whole day when you're out there with your flying dime. You know, it really, it just takes the spirit right off of you when that happens. The day is over, okay? And so if you can just make sure your fly zips when you get up, that'll be a blessing to you. I just, I promise you.